Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Welcome to, man, I'm losing my voice. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Thursday, I'm Dave Dufour, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me as they do each and every week, even in the middle of the summer, set part now in Moda Kiel. What's up, guys? Hope your summer break is going pretty well. Going well, going well, chilling, I'm a little bit bored, but going well. I mean, there's basketball. I, I just watch NBA, Dave. I just watch You're not, you're not in on Team USA? I, I'm actually going to do a pod with Joe Varden and, and Will Guillory. That's going to come out on Friday. We're going to talk a little bit about Team USA in the World Cup, their training camp, Jaron Jackson, and what he's going to be able to do with no three seconds. It's going to be fun. I, 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 I normally am in on Team USA and the national basketball team stuff and all that stuff, but... Uh, I'm going to be traveling during the World Cup and not going to be watching it. So I don't know the time zones and everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm just bored. Yeah, I doubt I'm going to see any of it either. Um, Seth, what about you? Uh, you got anything fun happening? Or? <laughs> um, uh, I can tease now the player tiers are coming out next week, which I, I right. believe we'll, we'll talk about on this very feed. But uh, I'm just stealing myself for everyone being very reasonable and respectful, understanding that there are hard choices that go into these things. And I, But I do hate your favorite team and player. Well, the most important thing for people to remember with this is that these are player rankings. They are ranking. That's the important thing to keep in mind with the tiers. Uh, we we decided, guys, because it's August, and we haven't done a show in a while, that we would take some listener questions. There's nothing really happening in the NBA. Everything is on pause while we wait for Damian Lillard and James Harden and those situations to, to shake out. Uh, news just broke. Josh Hart signed an extension. Uh, so congrats to him because, like, he's another guy who's making a ton of money. Uh, and that's always good news, especially for role players. So uh, good news for Josh Hart. But other than that, not a lot to talk about. So figured it was a great time to answer some burning questions from listeners. And we're going to start with a friend of the show. Uh, good guy, Ben Dowsett, actually asked a question only to Seth. And I just happened to see it. Um, so I stole it for the mailbag. So shout out to Ben. Uh Here's a hypothesis for a smarter basketball person than he, and he tags Seth, you know, and I'm sure he meant to tag me and Mo, but only Seth in this one. Uh, what is the, the tactical preparation differences between regular season and playoff NBA basketball have only grown in scope and degree 
over the last 15 years. Are, and they're wider than any other sport. I think we all kind of agree with that, that the style of play, just the, the difference in intensity is different in the NBA from regular season to playoffs than basically any sport. Baseball intensity is different, uh, and it's more of an individual sport, but football is super intense every single week. I, I, I understand what he's trying to say. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, the one minor disagreement is, I think, from a tactical standpoint, uh, pitcher usage in baseball changes dramatically in, in the postseason. And that's that's a similar thing to how rotations change in the NBA. But in terms of I can speak to it more from from kind of the the, the metrics he prep side. And I'm sure Mo has plenty to say about like the actual you know, the, 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 the in-depth coaching side. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, the, I mean, the, I mean, it's, 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 it becomes almost more NFL. Like the reason the NFL doesn't change or football doesn't change to the postseason as much is you're already doing the intense single opponent scout prep week after week. And because the NBA regular season doesn't really allow you to do that. And as more and more teams have kind of gone through the, let's just do our uh, uh, perfect ourselves during the regular season and get through this six months, that difference between being, all right, we're going to be good against any of the 29 teams we play. We just happen to play this team tonight and we're going after this team. How do we go after them? That's a pretty big change. And so some of the things that certainly from from my area that changed was the amount of of very specific info we have about player tendencies and abilities and preferences and stuff like that um is is very deep but it's not stuff that's really useful on a game to game basis because you can't really take it on i mean you're playing you know chicago tonight sacramento tuesday washington wednesday you're going it's not going to matter okay this guy only drives left on closeouts where if you're playing the, the same team seven times uh, that's pretty useful information to get in up front and certainly stuff that can get reinforced game after game because, Oh yeah, I, I the scouting report was he drives close out left every time he beat me. I'm not going to get beat that way again. And yeah, Mo, the, you've actually been in the room prepping in the regular season and prepping for the playoffs. I mean, for you, the prep probably was pretty simple. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very different. What I was going to say is like the regular season is about focusing on you. As a team, what's our rotations? Who can we depend on? What plays do we like? What actions do we like? Combinations and things like that. And I'm being very simplistic with all of this stuff. It's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And yeah, what coverages do we like? How do we defend these guys and things like that? And as Seth alluded to, like on a nightly basis, you're playing different teams. You know, the Denver Nuggets present a different set of problems than the Phoenix Suns than the Orlando magic, right? Like, and it's, so each night you're kind of trying, if you tried to cater each night to, you know, play against those teams in the regular season, you're going to lose a lot of games because your guys aren't going to be ready for it. And it's just too much to ask for in, in a regular season in the playoffs. That's when it becomes specialized. And that's when you become more focused on your opponent than any other time. Does that mean we don't have, we definitely scout. We definitely do. This is the stuff they like to do. These are the things we want to take away. Everything like that in the regular season. But in the playoffs, you are locked into it. And then to the question of like other sports, because like for football, nothing changes in the playoffs except intensity and things like that. But preparation is the same. You have one week unless you have the bye, then you have two weeks. And then the Super Bowl, you know, you have two weeks in between. But generally it's the same. 
the stuff you probably do throughout the regular season. There's probably not a lot of change, you know, baseball, you know, you change your rotations maybe a little bit and, and, and pitcher usage, but it's not like you, you run a different squeeze play or whatever. And I, and, right. and I'm, you know, or, or all of those things. I'm not versed in hockey, but I got to imagine it's probably more similar to the NBA in terms of strategies might be changing in hockey. That'd be an interesting one with all that regard, but it's, you know, those being the four major sports, I mean, the NBA, it's just the playoffs are entirely different. That's why I always tell people like, just because you had a great regular season does not mean you're a playoff team. Does not mean you're ready to win in the playoffs and things like that. And you have to learn in the playoffs and things like that. And I think there's a lot of stuff that goes to it. And I think the, just it's, it's gotten more people gotten more understanding of that over the years. And I think it's beginning to people to kind of finally get it. 16 player versus 82 game player, all that nonsense. But like, you want to have both, you know, as a team and stuff like well. that. But you're, but you're locked. But you're in the regular season. I would just say you're you're boiled more into yourself. You're selfish as a team. You're worried about your stuff, your rotations, your guys. How do they fit? What works for us and stuff like that? Because that's the stuff you need come playoff time, and the stuff you yeah. need to know. And pl- regular season is prep to the playoffs. Mo, you've been around long enough that that, and I just called you old and uh, unintentionally, but you've been around long Thank enough you. to <laughs> to to has that my my impression is the degree to which in the regular season you're focusing on you has increased over over the past couple decades, where maybe maybe twenty years ago there was a little bit more. Well, tonight we're doing against these guys, and it's in. And and maybe it's it's kind of come out of the 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 Popovichian school of managing the regular season, but that seems to have become sort of uh, much more standard now than 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 it has been. Would you agree with that, or has it always been that way? I mean, I I I probably agree with that, but obviously, like we'd have to probably talk to the coaches from the eighties and nineties to kind of get an understanding more than just because you know I'm uh. uh you know, I'm I'm actually trying to work on something about just the changes technology wise and how it affects the NBA over the years. And I think that's kind of the the difference of it. You know, uh, you know, I got to just interview Coach Spolstra and, and he was literally just talking about how, like, yo, in the 90s, when he was a video guy, they spent more time working with and dealing with the equipment. You know, than actually breaking down games so they couldn't do as much. Now they have all the equipment, you hey, know, shout out it's to synergy, man. you know, so there's like a whole, so it's like a different all with the change with technology is going to be the change in that type of focus of those things. And I think there's a, I mean, I think the one thing I'll say about like my time with the Spurs, like we would change our pick and roll coverage. And, you know, when we would play Dallas and we would go in the, we would practice full rotate and half rotate, you know, uh, push to full rotate on the Dirk and things like that. Cause again, Dirk provides those challenges, but also the important aspect of it is we had it on tape so that when we played them in the playoffs, we had examples and we knew if it worked or not or what didn't work in that component or what we needed to tweak. And I think there's a lot of that stuff, but it's again, regular season, so much more about you and building your philosophy, your culture and everything that's going to go into it, because that's the bedrock. That's the foundation. When you go into the playoffs, this is what we do. And now we're going to change some stuff, but because we know the stuff we do so well, we'll be able to change some of that stuff. All right. I'm glad. I think, listen, we got to move on from this question. We're, we're going to be here all day. Seth, so, Seth, so Seth's one got more, one more, one more point. point, Seth. 
I know I'm just glad Mo brought up the technology because when we're talking about the difference and the gap, a lot of that is even if the the regular season to playoff from a coaching standpoint, maybe or maybe not has has changed the amount of more information, whether it's ease of access to video for these examples or just the, I talked about tendency stuff like the the amount of stuff you can do with a few keystrokes in terms of player tendencies in situations that in the past would have taken. I don't know how many hundreds of hours of video logging to do that you can do in five minutes now. So that just the depth of those kind of like player specific tendency things that you can do now that has been unlocked by technological improvements. I think that is a big part of why you can just do more of the opponent specific stuff in the time you have allotted and there's more time allotted. Yeah. And not to mention uh, iPads for the individual stuff yeah. that you get to do shooting a clip to a player and saying, Hey, this guy goes left uh, 90% of the time, you know, look for yeah. this. Uh, next question. What is, and I actually don't have a favorite catch all stat, but uh, you guys might, what's your favorite publicly available catch all player impact metric? Is it EPM? Is it Raptor? Uh, Seth, do you have your own that you can't tell us about? No, I, so there's two that I tend to use. EPM is one estimated plus minus. It's created by uh, Taylor Snar, who used to be uh, an analyst with the, with the Utah jazz. Uh, it's, it's a metric that has, has basically won the, the kind of closest to the pin competitions about how good will this team be, which is a pretty good uh, indicator of, of how well a metric kind of measures uh, how, how players work. Um, I actually prefer just uh, uh, simpler metrics because I like explainability. Um, part of the reason why some of these metrics get close is there's some black boxy stuff about, you know, how box score stats and tracking stats interact. And while that can get you closer as a model, it also there there it it, it brings in some biases and holes. There are certain player types that it's gonna like, gonna not like, and you sort of develop a feel for that but you don't totally know what's going on under the hood. So I kind of prefer uh, just regular old uh, RAPM, which doesn't have those those kind of adjustments because I at least know why it's going to miss. And I'll trade that little bit of accuracy for uh, understanding of what's going on, a more a more full understanding of what's going on, if that makes sense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost subscription fees apply. 
And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Broker dealer. No, it makes sense. Uh, Mo, do you have one? I actually don't, because um, there's too many. Yeah, <laughs> like at the end I of like- the day, there's just too many. And to Seth's point, like I don't fully understand them. It's not, you know, like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna yell at the analytics community here for a second, Seth. So earmuffs. But like that's the problem with stats sometimes. Is it's not it's not easy. Like I'm a dummy. I need something to uh, easily to understand. And there are and Seth does a great job when I send Seth a text. What does this mean? He does a great job breaking it down. I think we just need more of that from the analytics community so people can understand that stuff. I have a hard time with just all of that. There's just too many yeah. of them, and and you could find what you're looking for if you go to the different ones or whatnot. Yeah, everybody should just text Seth. When they have a, a <laughs> we question. can just put his number on the podcast and everybody can this text him whenever they're in the show notes. You're great. Um, I the 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 last point to be made about the the all in one stats is it's very important, and this is something I repeat all the time. Dave, you've seen me do it in a classroom setting, is understanding to Mo's point what these things are measuring. Uh, these aren't this player is X good. It is this is the impact this player has had in the situations which he's played. So it's the position he's playing. It's the teammates he's playing with. It's winning the game. He, he, he's, he's appearing the vast majority of players. Uh, the situation matters a lot in terms of how well they perform. And so that's what we're, we're measuring. And so a lot of times I've, I've had people who, who use very in-depth player value models in like gambling. They've told me that they throw their model out their their output out when a guy gets traded because he's almost becomes a completely different player because he's in a different scheme a different teammates different spot in a rotation so uh it's it's how good has this player been not how good is this player and that's a small difference but i think it's very important to remember yeah because it's not like baseball which is more of an individual sport where the stats tend to translate and you know guys are typically about the same uh, my favorite stat is wins. That's it. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> what great player from the eighties and nineties would lose the most value if playing now and who would gain the most? Oh, gain the most. I, I got a tricky one here. Alex English would be a better player now. And he scored a lot, but I think he'd be a better player now when you consider shooting threes and, and doing more stuff off the dribble. I think Alex English is a guy who would probably be considered an even better player um, nowadays. That might be too deep of a cut uh, is for, it, for our audience. I don't know. but um, Is it cheesy to say that Larry Bird would kill today? Yeah, no, of course. Like, like, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf would also kill. I like, mean, yes. we're, we're, so much we're, freedom. And we're either going really niche or really obvious. Yeah. Like, no, it's yeah. not like there's nothing in between. I, losing the most value, losing the most value, is, it, to me, it, it winds up being some of the centers, right? Like maybe yeah. like uh, Kevin McHale maybe isn't as valuable because okay. his face-up game is. I know, Seth, I know. Um, but guys like that. Um, but then again, you, like Elijah Wan would probably still be one he'd of be, the greatest he'd be players great. ever. He'd still be great. 
he'd still be great at this level. I think I think Ewing almost. Ewing yeah. is a player who might because his offensive game was so like mid range jumper and happy post-up. and 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 as good a rim protector as he was maybe early in his career he could he could move and slide on the perimeter but right. certainly for the bulk of his career he was more of a more of a drop guy and we you know you can be you can be very good at that but like Brook Lopez isn't like an MVP level player he's a very good right. player and right Ewing's a good one. Ewing is a good one in that regard in terms of like a big name and in, in that stuff. And I think you're right, Dave, it's going to be the centers for the mm-hmm. most part that are going to feel the crunch. I think it's going to be a lot of the power forwards because there was such oh, a yeah. different way they were used then to now in that sense. And I think that might be one of the ones where we would be like, oh, like, yeah, they're like, just going to be Anthony Mason, an NBA player. If he comes around now, right? Like yeah, how, to stick with the Knicks is like, what is what is where does. Charles Oakley fit in to stretch to, four, baby. To, I'm stretch four. Don't say that's not the name to say. Seth. Like he's gonna come busting through your door right now. What are you doing? What are you doing? My bad. Uh, right. uh, anyway, I like the question. It was a good one. Um, uh, this is a good question, guys. Can Dave actually fly, or is it just another thing my parents made up to get me to eat more vegetables? Guys, I cannot fly. I can just jump really high. That's it. Uh, Oh, you can fly, you just jump on a plane, That's and then right. the plane flies, the pilot takes you there and there yeah. and that. But you, you you don't got wings. No, no. Um, okay, this is actually a good question. Uh, how much value do you guys think roster continuity from season to season has in the modern NBA? If you were going to try to estimate the value, how would you do it? Like, we don't need to do math here, but – uh, on the list of things that, that we value for, for a team, how much do you guys put into continuity? I might over rely on continuity and, and really like the Denver Nuggets are a great example of this. The Golden State Warriors are a great example. But then you have examples the other way, like the Lakers, when they won their title in 2020, you couldn't say that they had much continuity, uh, you know, over the course of a few years. So um questions to you guys what do you value or how do you value roster continuity there's there's a chicken and egg thing here are you good because you have continuity or do you have continuity because you're good like i think there there is some value corporate knowledge is a big deal i mean i think we've like we've talked we've we've sung the praises of the spurs we've sung the sung the praises of the heat you know repeatedly here and there is something to that now whether that's roster continuity or an identity that has some core players that you build it around those are good questions i've I, like continuity for continuity's sake i don't think has a ton of value keeping something that is good together does and how do you draw the line there i'm not sure look there's i was probably one of the biggest drum beaters of uh, uh continuity for the longest time and I think more just continuity throughout the entire season is what matters. And I think so that's another kind of thing. another shot at the Clippers. Wow, a, a lot of teams though. No, but a lot of teams. You know, in that sense, like you know, how many teams have we seen that they make a major trade and then now they have to change everything that they've done from February to you know now to the playoffs, assuming they're going to make the playoffs at that point. And I think it's tough. You know, like let's use the Phoenix Suns, for example, the games Kevin Durant played in the regular season. They never lost. They only got eight of them. They didn't have enough time to actually build the continuity. So when it got to the playoffs, it took a while to figure some stuff out. They got to the second round and then they got kind of cooked. 
but it's a it's a challenge in that sense. Continuity matters. It's a nice to have, right? Like I'm not turning down a guy, um, turning down a big piece because like, oh, I need to hold on to my continuity. Now I feel like you can build continuity from the season. The season's so damn long. You you have enough time to build that if you if you can be healthy, which obviously you can't predict. I think we we talked about this a little bit last year in terms of being happy uh, that the that the, the the Jazz got their trades done before training camp to give Will Hardy a chance to to as you're saying, Mo, give that full season like starting from day one of training camp. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And the contrast is Joe Mazzulla, you know, getting the job right before camp started and not having a chance to do that. Um, just that's a note for Portland to take to understand there that you just made about Utah, but carrying on, move on. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, who is the most influential non all-star of the last 15 years in the NBA? And I'm not going to sit here and split hairs. If a guy made an all-star team or two, but we don't think of him as an all-star by all means, uh, mention him. Uh, do you guys have anybody that, that you would throw out there? I have a, a a question, I guess, to to answer a question. <laughs> okay, yeah. How many All Star teams does Lamar Odom make? You know, that's a good question. I I don't know. I would say he's a non All Star and was super influential. I mean, uh, well, we just talked about the difference between power forwards, right? Lamar Odom changed the game. Point forward, stretch four. I mean, whatever it was, you name it. Even small ball five, he was pretty early on that. I think that's a great name. The Lakers don't win those championships that they won with Kobe and Powell without Lamar. Like, it's just a very simple thing in that sense. Like, that's actually a a, a pretty big one. If we want to go a little further back, probably Robert Ory. Influential. I mean, we're basically talking influential role players, right? Right. Like, yeah. You, you know, star, you know, maybe star on the cusp or or uh, uh, role players. And I think those are kind of the the area we're looking at. But I think Odom kind of fits that that definition perfectly. Um, does, is, is Manu Ginobili overqualified? I mean, yes. okay, probably fine. Then, then Sarunas Marshallonis for, for, for introducing the Eurostep to, to, wait, he yeah, was, yeah. this is 15 years. We're, we're okay. not, we're that's, going that's too, I'm going 25 years ago then. But okay. the Eurostep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we started I talking about nineties, Knicks and Seth is now stuck in the, the eighties and nineties. Now that's it. <laughs> yeah. We're stuck in the past. Uh, is it, is it cliche for me to go with Danny Green? here uh the prototypical three and d guy (laughs) i mean you know what i mean like three and d wing um and also let's not forget that guy was in the g league and now the g league is a path to getting to the nba so i mean that's pretty influential if you ask me i mean he's won a couple of championships and is widely regarded as like a perfect role player and a, a guy who sticks around you know and now look at how many players you could say are in that same mold. So, you know, I'll be on brand here and, and I'll go with Danny Green. I'll throw another name out there, though, um, in their run to the, when they they beat the Celtics in the finals. I mean, Andrew Wiggins. I don't know how many all-star teams if he made any or whatnot. But like, he made one. Oh, he made one because of K-pop. That's right. That doesn't even count. <laughs> that's right. Um, but the uh, uh, but like that's another dude. Like there's a, there's a lot of guys, I think, on the fringe who have been and have influenced the game. But again, Odom changed the game is really what I think is is kind of the more important thing and like kind of open the eyes of the creating power forward a little bit. 
I think that the flip side of Odom, and this is another player who might be slightly overqualified, I've argued before he's a Hall of Famer, is Sean Marion. It's almost sort of the flip side of of the the okay, the Odom is like the power forward doing skilled things, and Marion is the slightly smaller player doing, you know, interior things and doing them well and defensive versatility rebounding while still being able to play fast. I don't think that Draymond Green exists without those two players. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a pretty good call. Um, here's a two-parter to to sort of end the show. Uh, number one, have you read any books recently that you'd recommend aside from The Mid-Range Theory by Seth Partnow? Available in bookstores everywhere. Uh, specific to uh, like just Anything. books in general? What have you, what um, have you read generally? I'll, I'll go first. Uh, the Fabric of the Cosmos by Brian Greene. Fantastic book. If you uh, dabble in physics and are just interested in the universe. I highly recommend it. Audio book will put you to sleep. Just pick up the, the, the hard copy and read it. Yeah, that way it's in your own voice. Um, I'm the kind of, I, I'm the kind of person who has like 10 books open at once. So like, I don't actually always finish them, but, but there's a lot of, uh, um, uh, book a while ago that I've been thinking about again, it's called the history of the world in six classes. Um, which is basically looks at human history through like what was like a dominant drink of the time, whether it's water, tea, coffee, li- liquor, beer, whatever. Um, but th- that's a really interesting one. And then when, there's another one. When you start to realize, Seth, that a lot of things in human history uh, were done by people who were a little bit buzzed to drunk. Um, it gives you a whole new perspective on, on human history. Uh, I just started one. Uh, it's it's I forget the name of it exactly. It's it's something like how we got to today, and it's sort of a similar thing, looking at like technological in- innovations that have uh, that have have changed things. Um, and it it sort of starts with 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 the, the the printing press being influential, not just because of 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 creating knowledge of of passing books around but it made people realize oh my god we're all nearsighted so we all need glasses which led to massive in- increases in like uh like lens making technology and using and and how many things have come from that like you know now like basically the the modern age is developed because of oh we can do these things with glass and 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 uh and refract and and manipulate light in that way and and, and so i thought that was sort of a, a fascinating uh sort of second like tangential effect of 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 a of a massively impactful innovation. You like the butterfly effect it seems like you you're into uh this this caused I, that and then that caused that. I swim in complexity. I love it. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Uh, uh Mo, geez. got any books? Um <laughs> as you guys all know, I don't read. Um but I did watch the Meg 2 last night. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and man. that was okay. a stupid, right. silly, unserious <laughs> movie, but was fun. So hey, I enjoyed it. And as some people like to yell at me, that's cinema, folks. <laughs> that, that, there you go. Uh, okay, so the question, getting to the question. Um, this person was reading some soccer player profiles with an analytics band and came across percentage of ground and aerial duels won. And it got him thinking, would measuring something like percentage of drives to the rim given up per hundred possessions, like one-on-one defensive possessions. Would that be good information to have when you're trying to compare the effectiveness of perimeter defenders in basketball? I'd say yes, 
players absolutely would hate it. Um, but I think it would give us at least a, a glimpse into uh, the difficulties in looking at individual defense in basketball because it is a is a team sport and defense is a team aspect. So giving up a drive, like again, Rudy Gobert, right? Rudy Gobert play, had played with some awful guards in Utah defensively, was getting hammered a lot, like at the rim. And he was constantly having to defend at the basket in drop, and it makes him look bad sometimes. So I, I think it could add some uh, some context there. But Seth, Mr. Stats, please. I so that this, 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 this stats actually, actually exist, and I fought tooth and nail for them not to be in scouting reports because I, I think the go bear example is a great one. How much of that is guys getting beat and how much of it is. All right, let's close out full. Cause we got Rudy behind us, right? You know, how much of that? Oh, we, uh, I, I ran this player off the line. Cause that's the scouting report. Is that so it is a, it is a descriptive stat that becomes very dangerously used if when it starts to be evaluative. It's like, oh my God, he's given up eight drives to the rim per hundred. Well, who's he guarding? Is he guarding a shooter is, or is he getting beat by a point guard? We don't know. That's that's completely opaque from that stat. And you would need that additional context for it to be useful. So it's not, it's not something that it's on its own. I find that useful. And when it has that much complexity attached to it that you need to explain, well, this and that and this and that, you've you've kind of lost the point of using it as an indicator stat anyway, if you have to like caveat it that much. I think the this is my problem with a lot of just defensive stats when we try to do it that way, is there's just so many things we don't know. You know, what's the coverage? What's the plan? What's the game plan? As Seth, everything Seth was saying, there's so many variables to it. And I think that's the problem, right? Like that's the challenge with defensive statistics with all of those things. Part of the issue with all the catch-all stats and things like that, just being able, able to measure defense. It's like, you know, he did his job. Hey, I ran Steph Curry off the three-point line and ran him into help. Steph made the shot because he's freaking incredible. But I did my job and I did what I was supposed to do, you know, but the numbers are going to say I fucked up. And I think that's kind of the the thing there with defensive stats like that. And I think you got to be very careful with how you, what you put in, especially what you present to players more than anything. Well, I mean, and that's a different, that's a whole different conversation, but I I don't mind seeing the stuff just to to have the information available. Uh, You guys have anything else on your mind as we wrap this up? I mean, this was a pretty good mailbag. Dave, I got a lot on my mind and (laughs) you know, it's, you know, uh, Portland fans don't like me. Oh, well, I I don't think they like anybody right now. Uh, Steph, anything as we close? Uh, I'm just stealing myself for the deluge that's coming my way next week. Yeah, guys, check out the tiers uh, over at The Athletic. Tears, T-E-A-R-S. No. Need not apply. uh, We've made some innovations to how we're presenting them this year. I think that there's, uh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, uh, pretty neat to look at, if nothing else. Will uh, it jump uh, off my screen? <laughs> yes. Okay. Then we're off the rails. That's what we call a tease, folks. Go and check out Seth's Tears next week. And we will do a companion pod of, of some sort, um, you know, to talk about the tears because, uh, we also want to yell at Seth. So, uh, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA show.
Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.